Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Alice. Hey, now. Greg, what are you doing here? Hey, what do you mean? What I, Allison, where do you, you come from, Greg? I came from the world of childish, and I just want to make sure that your listeners know that you're just as wonderful on the on the other podcast you do. What if they don't have kids? Don't need them. You don't need them. A lot of our listeners actually tell us they don't have kids. We talk about sex. We talk about all sorts of dirty stuff, but also parenting stuff. Yeah, so. Check out Childish, new episodes every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm very excited to welcome back to the show actor, comedian, podcast host, radio personality, all around honest, fun and funny guy, Ralph Garman. Hello. Hello, Allison. You're very kind. Thank you so much for coming back. My pleasure. I had a great time last time. How how are things? How is life treating you? Fill me in. I feel like... Uh, wow. I know. You know what? I'm going to give you a more specific question. All because right. Because the last time you were on, we were talking about how you have or had a tendency to hold grudges and be motivated by anger, but you were trying to put that behind you and you were trying like not to... Um, give in to that. Yes. And we talked about the um, how Kevin and Bean ended for you mm-hmm. and that you had worked for K-Rock for 18 years and then you got let go in a way that didn't feel good to you. Right. Um, and I was thinking, and at that point, Kevin and Bean was still going on mm-hmm. and now it is no longer. And I was wondering how you feel about all that because I know that I would be a little bit the pettier parts of me when I see like a job that I didn't get, get canceled. I'm like, Oh good. Yeah. I didn't have that oddly enough. I mean, that would be normally uh, a part of me as well, but I realized when I saw how the whole thing went down and how it went away, you know, Kevin was uh, on his own with, uh, Allie, McKay and Jensen Carp mm-hmm. and uh, Bean had already left. And then they all just got the boot overnight in the middle of a global pandemic, you know? So as sorry as I felt for myself about how I was dismissed, they got it worse than I did. Right. And I felt gratitude, frankly, because, you know, it's all about time and perspective sometimes. But when I look back at when I was let go they kind of did me a favor because I had a two year head start to kind of reinvent what Mm -hmm. I was going to do and uh, work from home, which in a pandemic world was ideal anyway. So it was like I was getting training for what I needed to be in this moment. So at the time it was awful. But when I look back on it and I, and I joke to friends about this, I was like, they kicked me overboard on a ship, but I landed in a lifeboat yeah. and then the boat sank, you know? So right. in reality, I kind of, uh, I kind of was lucky how it all went down. That's really, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. Uh, to, 
And and I had Allie on my show recently, and she had pointed out like being fired, you know, at the beginning of a pandemic. I hadn't thought about that, though, that you were you had already adjusted your lifestyle to be suited to this like crazy moment we're in right now. Exactly. I was already pre-disastered. So I had uh, <laughs> I had worked myself into a situation where it was tailor made for what was to come and I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. So uh, how has and, you know, I went at the beginning of the pandemic, I was asking people, how's your pandemic going? And then I got into a phase where I stopped because I felt like it like the answers are all kind of samey. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm going to ask it again, because I feel like at this point we have I think I stopped sometime over the summer, but at this point, like we've been in it for so long, I am curious how 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 is it how are you doing? Again, it's very little change for me from how I was living before, yeah. other than the things I miss that we all miss, like going to the movies or going to a bar or going to a restaurant. I mean, I I ache for those mm-hmm. moments, but in terms of my everyday life, other than my kid going to school from here half the time, um it's really not changed all that much. And so again, I I was kind of in training for this for years before it even happened, which is ideal. Right. And so you do the Ralph report on Patreon. Yes. Um, Is how many days a week is that? Five days a week, every morning, Monday through Friday, we Mm -hmm. deliver a show. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, And is it, what's the format? It is reminiscent of a morning radio show format. We do, you know, when I was on Kevin and Bean, when I was on K-Rock, I did a ton of uh, pop culture news and that kind of thing. So people expect that, I think, when they tune into my shows. So um, I was, I'm giving them that. Um, we do recurring segments. I mean, it's very much like a morning radio show. I wanted to try to recreate the experience of listening to me every morning for those, especially here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. who are used to hearing me that way. Right. And for folks who know me from Hollywood Babylon, the other show I do with Kevin or uh, from other things that I've done. For them, it's just a chance to get to know me and get access to me and, and hang out with me for an hour and change mm-hmm. every day. How much have you been talking about the pandemic on your show? Very little. I made a decision early on that people are inundated with this news and with the the fear and the concern and the horror of it. And uh, if I can give them a respite from that for an hour and change, I think I'm doing them a service. And I felt kind of the same way about politics as well. We would occasionally touch on something Trumpian mm-hmm. when it was particularly funny or ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I wasn't shy about allowing my own personal feelings to come through on occasion. So we didn't avoid it completely, but I did not want to dwell on it because again, it was something people were getting beat up with every day. Right. When you say your own personal feelings, you're talking about how much you love him and believe in him feel yes, that election uh, was I'm, stolen from him? I'm going to be, um, I don't know if you heard this or not, but now that Rudy is sick, I will now be representing the case in front of the Supreme Court at some point. Oh, wow. Hope, so. Now, is yeah. that also something that you've been preparing for for a couple years? Well, no, I really kind of went the Kim Kardashian law school <laughs> method, which was just sort of absorbing it through osmosis yeah. and just just calling myself sort of a legal expert. So uh, I think they need my help more, more than ever, quite frankly. You know what I'm finding shocking uh, and this actually might not air for a couple weeks, so when it airs, this will no longer be super-duper timely, but I'm going to say it anyway because time has no meaning. Um, right. 
Kim Kardashian has been posting on Instagram, uh, you know, that um, death row inmate that she had become close to, and yes. there were these requests for a stay of execution, and then they executed him last night because it does seem that there's going to be just a rash of executions on Trump's way out. Um, but I was, you know, it's, I didn't expect to agree with Kim Kardashian, be moved by her words, find what she had to say poignant and salient. Surprising. Mm. Were you all those things? I, well, I was moved and I found it. Yeah, I, I agreed with her. I was moved and I found it poignant and salient. And I was like, oh, she's I, I think she's using her fame for good right now. Yeah, I just I don't know. She seems to be very selective about high profile instances to be able to flex that muscle. Yeah. And it always seems like she is in some way. uh getting some reflected glory in the moment where it puts her in the, into the conversation. Well, I yes. I mean, I'm talking about her, not the guy. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Right. You know, I think there are ways you can do good works without necessarily making it about yourself all the time. And she yeah. seems incapable of that, that, uh, action. So, right. I mean, I can understand your point and I and I think the death penalty is a bad thing as well. And I think uh, we need to seriously look at whether, as a society, we want to be taking the lives of citizens regardless of uh, our penal system. But at the same time, I find her endlessly self-serving. And that is always the, uh, the, um, the umbrella under which I view everything that she does. Right. So it's hard for me to be on her side. Right, her. right. All the Kardashians, really. Yeah, that they whole all... family. I find them to be um, patient zero of the illness that has taken over our country where celebrity and fame now has poisoned every aspect of our life, including politics. Yes. Uh, the, the rise of the reality star has been a bane on our existence. And I think I, I can point everything to them in terms of people being famous for nothing and, and wielding that fame for self-serving purposes. It's just insidious to me. Do you, um, you know, when I said she had made a poignant and salient point, I am now going to take my, heralding of her and switch it to you ralph garman because what you said just now was both poignant <laughs> and salient the rise of the reality star and we'll get yeah. into less uh heady topics in a sec but yeah, i'm really funny aren't i this is, this is a, a real chuckle fest <laughs> do you think that um there's a there can be a coming back from that like did this country uh you know fly too close to the sun with the rise of the reality star and now we're gonna like I mean, obviously someone else has been elected, but like, or do you think this is the end for us? I think it's a perfect storm of um, the celebritization of America and also the dumbing down of America mm. where education and critical thinking no longer really are held with much value. And those two things in Congress uh, spell the doom, I think, for our, for our society, quite yes. frankly. Unless they both change, then and none of it will be meaningful because uh we're not going to turn away from celebrities that's not going to happen the only hope is to get better educated and to have our critical thinking restored to a certain extent where we can differentiate between what's bullshit and what's fact and mm -hmm. um unless that makes a big comeback then the rest of it is sort of useless i mean i could ignore the kardashians you know because i could see through them and i could be i could look at them critically and recognize what they were and they seemed almost innocuous to me but to someone who just swallows that bullshit whole, 
that's that's you know that's a poison and once they join the cult you can't really it's hard to get them back right um are you familiar with joel stein he is a yeah yeah. so he wrote the he came on my show within the last no it was when we were still he was one of my last in-person guests so very beginning of 2020 i guess right and he wrote this book called in defense of elitism and it's like a pretty you know controversial sounding title i would say it's not really elitism that he is coming out in defense of it's in defense of education because there is an expertise yes exactly because there is such a movement against that in this country Mm -hmm. and i feel like it has just hurt us so much because i also believe that education is sort of the the answer to all this stuff that we're talking about yeah for the first time ever a large portion of our country thinks of book learning mm-hmm. and and science and critical thinking and facts and news as as negative things as bad things it used to be as a nation right. we aspired to provide that for our kids and for the next generation you know if you're if your parents didn't go to college their one wish was that you would right. so that you could you know achieve the next level of success on behalf of the family because they didn't have those opportunities. Now there's a great portion of our country that looks down on education in mm-hmm. general and expertise and they don't trust anyone. And it's, um, it's terrifying to me because Same. it is almost cult-like in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. And there's, you know, there's certain areas where organized religion intersects with that mentality as well. And it's a very treacherous place to be right now as as a as a country yeah i agree now if this airs in january how's your 2021 going and how was your new year's it's um it was great i got loaded on new year's (laughs) uh, but i'm still recovering gosh but uh it 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 looks a lot like 2020 quite frankly it hasn't changed all that much hopefully as the vaccine starts to reach more arms eventually I'll be able to get loaded in public again instead of in the privacy of my own home, which is significantly sadder. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Yeah. How is your, uh, you do Christmas? How's your mm-hmm. Christmas going to be? It's so it's a weird one this year because this is my first divorced Christmas. So we're splitting time with the kid. And so it's good for the kid. She gets mm-hmm. two Christmases, but um, we're very adamant about maintaining our family unit. So, the ex and I are going to do a Christmas here with the kid, and then we're going to do one together at her house as well. And she's going to see some of her cousins and other folks in our bubble that we know are safe. So um, it's it's odd. It's certainly a change. I think we're dealing with it the best that we can, but it certainly is different than any Christmas I've ever had, either in my own family as a kid or uh, with with my kids. So mm-hmm. there are challenges. When did you separate? Are you now the house that I had been to? Are you not in that house anymore? That has been sold because I had to buy two new ones. Oh. See, that's how it works when uh, you get divorced. You got to buy additional homes. Right. And so, uh, yeah, I'm no longer there. Um, last Christmas, we had already separated, but we're still living together as a family because I, I bought this home and I had to go first kind of because I needed to set up a studio and a space mm-hmm. to work in and everything. So, um, when we sold the original house, uh, my ex and my kid were still living with me here through the holidays. So we still had sort of this, the same semblance of a family uh, holiday season. So this is the first time that since my ex has her place that we're going to sort of uh, do it separately. So mm. we shall see. Can I ask what happened? Uh, regarding the divorce? 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. People say that to me a lot, and I feel like saying, well, what usually happens when a marriage fails? I mean, uh, it was primarily her idea. I, I'll tell you that much. It came to me as sort of a surprise, but mm. um, after some soul-searching and sort of addressing it honestly, once the initial shock and pain sort of subsides, I could recognize what she was saying about the nature of uh, of the marriage and why she was unhappy, so... You know, again, it comes down to choices. And we talked about this last time about my career that if I had my druthers, would it not have happened in my heart of hearts? Yes, I would have rather have stayed together, but mostly because of the family thing, even more so than the couple thing. Right. However, who wants to be with somebody who doesn't really want to be with them at the end of the day? You know, so um, it's it's daunting being a, a man in his 50s, being single again and uh, all that stuff that goes with it. But frankly, we're still great friends and we're still great co-parents and we talk all the time. She is still uh, produces the, the Ralph report. She still handles all the back end stuff for my podcast. We've been you wow. know, we developed that together. So we're, we're constantly in contact and things are really good. So. I know so many horror stories of friends and family members who have gone through breakups that yeah. were just hell. And I have somehow managed to avoid all that. So I can't really complain. Wow. Well, kudos to you. Yeah. I know of um, even the ones that I know that started out amicable at some point turned. So that's great that you guys are able to stay friendly. Well, again, it's about choices because we wanted to maintain uh, the best possible atmosphere for our kid too and she mm-hmm. was always our priority and once you filter everything through that prism when you're looking at stuff it's kind of easy to stay on track you know yeah. there are moments of course i think we both had moments where we like Ugh, you know there's a lot of eye rolling and maybe <laughs> uh, a little a grudge here and there but you, you just got to let it go because it's not worth it right um i think if i didn't see something like that coming i well let me let me back up the times of my life that things have crept up on me and I didn't see them coming, it felt traumatic almost because I got locked into this thing afterwards of like, how could I have prevented it? Life feels out of control. I need to be more vigilant in the future to see things coming. Did you go mm. through any of that? I luckily had the advice of a, a really good friend who had been through it twice. And he said to me, first and foremost, you need to not go down that road. Mm. You need to recognize that marriages and relationships of all stripes and for all kinds of reasons. And it's almost always a combination of both people of what they're doing and not doing. And sometimes people just get lucky by finding the right person. And not every relationship is destined to last a lifetime. It could have been a great marriage and it just had run its course too. He said, but the the truth is you will never know the answer it's much more important to deal with the reality of the separation and putting your life back together because the happier you get, the quicker you get happy, the better off you'll be for whatever next relationship you get into. So that all kind of rang true to me and made sense. So I didn't really dwell on it too much. And when I looked back at some of the things she was saying, I mean, it was a surprise, but when I looked back on the last few years of the marriage, if I was honest, I could say, yeah, I could see where, things had changed and you know we had also lived through the death of a child you know my kid olivia is a twin and we lost her brother at Mm -hmm. 10 days and um 
those kind of traumas in a relationship may not necessarily show up right away. I think it creates cracks in a foundation that sometimes mm-hmm. take years to actually present. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was part of it as well. I think um, there was some protecting on both of our parts of our emotions and our truest selves to kind of uh, defend ourselves against the enormous pain we were both feeling in that yeah. moment. And, uh, you know, and people change. She's not the same person that she was when I met her. I largely am only because I've been doing sort of the same thing for the whole time we've been together, but she's changed and grown and, and motherhood has changed her and she's got now uh, dreams of her own and things that she wants to do that she didn't really have uh, at the beginning of our relationship. So I just have to accept it and try to be as supportive as I can. You know? mm-hmm. Has it, um, has it affected your self-esteem or, or identity? Um, the, the divorce? Mm-hmm. I think it was the one-two punch of losing the the morning radio gig and then losing the marriage. I often kid friends. I feel like uh, Ray Liotta at the end of Goodfellas, where he he had it all and he was living this life, and now he's picking up the paper in a track home in Arizona. You know, it's like, <sighs> what what happened to me? Where? How did I get here? Um, I have those moments where I'm like, geez, I, a lot of the ways I used to identify myself are no longer valid. Mm-hmm. However, when you get stripped down like that, sometimes you start to recognize, oh, I wasn't just that. And I'm mm-hmm. not just a husband and I'm not just a radio personality. I have other things and, I'm, and I am other things. And if you're smart, you look around and you say, yeah, that was shitty and that happened, but how lucky am I on the other side of that, that I am this and I have this gig and I have this audience that really responds to what I do and I have a home and I have a great kid. And if you, if you just try to be a little bit more grateful, a little less resentful, sometimes I think you can recognize that it's okay. You, don't, you didn't have to stay at that level, whatever that thing was. You didn't really need it as much as you think you did. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's what I think anyway. That's interesting. I want to tell you guys about Raycon. Every new year, all you hear is new year, new me. And that usually means you'll be picking up better habits or trying new things or like me, returning to an old thing, which is I used to always make my bed and then I stopped recently, but now I'm back. That's my New Year's resolution because uh, it's, it's a small, doable one. But regardless, if you do take up a new hobby, it's even better when you have amazing audio that will make the experience even better. That's why I recommend wireless earbuds from Raycon. Whether it's following along to directions in the kitchen, binging an audiobook while learning to knit, or powering through a new workout with a pumped-up playlist in your ear, a pair of Raycons can make any activity easier and a better time. Raycon makes great sound accessible to everyone. Their wireless earbuds start at half Half the price of other premium audio brands. And guess what? If you think having white stems dangling out of your ears looks ridiculous, that's something you don't have to worry about with Raycon. They come in a sty- stylish range of colorways and a range of stylish colorways but always with a comfortable in-ear fit for a more discreet look. And they don't just look great. Raycons perform wherever you take them with up to six hours of playtime, water and sweat resistant construction and Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly. You've heard me say this before. So if you still don't have a pair of Raycons, I am wondering why. 
Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for my listeners. And here's what you do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com slash best friend. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. So feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com slash best friend. Buyraycon.com slash best friend. Buyraycon.com slash best friend. I also want to tell you guys about Purple. Throw some bedding on a bunch of different mattresses and sure, they all look alike. The same goes for pillows, but peel away the layers, look at what's inside, and you'll see they aren't all created equal. And that's what makes every Purple pillow and mattress unlike anything you've ever slept on. It has something called the Purple Grid, and that's what sets the Purple mattress apart from every other mattress. It's a patented comfort technology that instantly adapts to your body's natural shape and sleep style. And at one point I had this little, the sample of the grid uh, and I don't have it in front of me because my son stole it because he is so fascinated by it and he likes to, to touch it and play with it, um, which I do as well. With over 1,800 open air channels designed to neutralize body heat, Purple provides a cooling effect other mattresses can't replicate. And this cutting edge technology doesn't stop with the mattresses. Every Purple pillow is engineered with the grid for total head and neck support and absolute airflow. So you're always on the cool side of the pillow. Purple's proprietary technology, that is fun to say, Purple's proprietary technology has been innovating comfort for over 15 years. Uh, it's, it's just, it's, they, I think they're disrupting. They're disrupting the bed and mattress industry with their Purple proprietary technology as seen in the grid, which keeps you cool all night and supports your body in a way that's better than that other stuff that you might be sleeping on. You can try every Purple product risk-free with free shipping and returns. And Purple has financing available as low as 0% APR for qualified customers. Experience the Purple Grid and you'll sleep like never before. Go to purple.com slash bestfriend10 and use promo code bestfriend10. For a limited time, you'll get 10% off any order of $200 or more. That's purple.com slash bestfriend10, promo code bestfriend10 for 10% off your order of $200 hundred dollars or more purple.com slash best friend 10 promo code best friend 10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more terms apply. Okay. I think that in your situation, it's more stark. Um, but I think a lot of people are experiencing that or having that realization because the pandemic has stripped away their access to a lot of the things that defined them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and again, that, that, that gratitude comes from the fact that, as we mentioned at the top, I was pretty much um, training for this scenario before I even was aware of it. Mm-hmm. So that allowed me to continue on with my life more or less unbroken. And I see people who have lost their livelihoods and are, are now people who are lining up at food banks who in a million years, if you put a gun to their head and said, will you ever need to take food from a charity? They would said, that's insane. You know, I've always been able to make a living. Um, Those are the people who are truly being affected by this, let alone the people who are actually sick and on ventilators and in hospitals. I mean, you can go down the list of 
tons of people whose lives are being torn apart by this scenario. So if you're in a position of fortune like myself to feel sorry for yourself would be pathetic really at the end of the day. So I try to avoid dipping Mm -hmm. into that. It's not to say I'm always successful. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but you can be human and you can have those moments, but you better catch yourself pretty quickly, I think. And, and recognize what's really happening or else, um, I think you're losing the better part of yourself. Yeah. How are you so centered? I'm not. I mean, these things are all things that I strive for. And this is, is sort of a, a, a um, I don't know, a life plan that I sort of established for myself. Mm-hmm. And I would be lying if I said I adhered to it all the time. I don't have the answers, but this is absolutely what I um, aspire to. And uh, when I do talk about it, it reinforces it for me. You know, mm-hmm. that when I hear myself say those things, it just it's just like um, an exercise or something. It just makes me feel more connected to those goals. But I, I, I fall off the wagon all the time. And I'm like you said, I'm human and I have awful moments and I feel really sorry for myself. And that's OK. I just think the key is to keep snapping yourself out of it. And right. um it's it's hard. I mean, I feel for the people, even folks who are in okay shape, the um, the isolation mm-hmm. and the lack of social interaction and being forced to spend so much time at home, if not alone, it just wreaks havoc on mental health. And there's just so many people who are outwardly okay but internally are just struggling and really uh, trying to hold it together and so i think we're all going through that yeah um th- this is a a, a n- n- nosy personal question but they all are really <laughs> um you mentioned lincoln that was your son right yes mm-hmm. um i am wondering if the dissolution of your marriage brought up grief more more grief from the loss of Lincoln because it's like here was this family unit that it you know included the memory of him um no oddly enough that hasn't really changed I've I've never really stopped grieving him and I mean that in the best possible way he's Mm -hmm. never uh you know he's never out of my my thoughts or my memory I still consider him part of the family but I went through such a serious grieving process after his death that I really think I processed it pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked through it to the point where uh, I can talk about him now without going to pieces where for a long time that wasn't the case, but I've sort of worked through it and, uh, and I've put those thoughts and those memories in a, you know, a, a proportionate place in, in my, in my life. And so when the, uh, when the marriage ended, that wasn't really uh, a concern. Mm-hmm. My primary concern was with Olivia, the, my kid who's still with me because right. he's the one who's going to be uh, affected by how we behave moving forward. And so that was really my priority. And how's it been? It's been great. She's fine. It was so funny. Uh, one of our biggest concerns when it was obvious that it was going truly to happen was sitting her down and breaking the news. And we were dreading that conversation. And we both sat down with her in front of her on the couch. And we said, we had to talk to her and we expressed how we both love her very much. And, um, 
that was never going to change. And we still loved each other, but just not in the way that married people love each other. And, and we took this long prologue leading up to the <laughs> announcement. So we're going to be you know, we're going to be living in different houses. We're going to be divorcing. And she was like, yeah, I can see that. You guys, <laughs> you guys seem happier when you're, when you're on your own, when, when we're doing other things, just me and you or me and him. And it's just, yeah, I get that. That makes sense to me. Wow. And she was boom, boom, right back to, uh, right back to life. So <laughs> you never know, right? She's, she was very observant and she saw it coming even before I did. Yeah. Well, how old is she now? Now she's 10. 10. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, that's great. She sounds yeah. very, uh, very precocious. She's super cool and she's uh, solid and we have great relationships, both of us with her independently, as well as the three of us when we're together. So I'm just super lucky in that department. One more question along these lines, and then I'm going to uh, give you a break. Um, what no, was it? it's fine. This is like free therapy. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad. Sometimes this is a new thing for me that has happened in quarantine. I think maybe because I'm connecting with people over Zoom. I don't know what it is, but I have started worrying because my interviews are usually like pretty probing. I've mm-hmm. started worrying like, am I just some weird lady who asks famous people personal <laughs> questions? And at the end, they're like, what the fuck was that? And honestly, that's never been anyone's reaction. But like, that's this new hang up I have. Well, let it go. It's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're supposed to reassure me I'm not just some weird lady. Oh, no, I can't do that. You might very well be some weird lady. But in terms of my end of the conversation, I'm fine with it. Because we're talking about my favorite subject, you realize, which is me. So how could I possibly resent that? How was it the first time you told the audience uh, about what was going on with your marriage? They were shocked. The Ralph Report audience was shocked because Carrie had always been a presence on the show, either on the show, literally, or referring to her as the first lady of the podcast because she was running the back end and she was interacting with a ton of the, the Garmy members, our, our subscribers and supporters. And, uh, you know, she would often reach out to them via email when there was a problem and stuff. So to them, it seemed like we were this amazing, well-oiled couple machine that was able to work together and live together and have this marriage. So when we broke the news, um, people were taken aback and it hit them hard and it's funny you know your audience isn't strangers Mm-mm. because they care and that's why they show up and so um they they tr- they take your personal news personally and i yeah. learned that from the radio gig because i talked about the death of lincoln on the radio and i talked about a great many personal issues um on the radio and so i knew that, th- that probably was going to be the case and it's funny because at the same time I broke the news about my father who had been diagnosed with brain cancer on my birthday oh boy, uh, in 2019 in November and then died on New Year's Day of 2020 as if that wasn't a uh, ominous precursor for what my 2020 was going to be like. Wow. So but, that was that went fast. Yeah. Luckily, oh, luckily yeah. he uh, he didn't suffer for too long. Good. But uh, I sort of rolled that into the same podcast on the same day. And people are like, you can't just drop all this shit on me. You got to please. You know, it's like that old joke where the, 
you know, the, the, the two brothers and one brother's out of town on business and the other brother's at home with uh, their mom watching the, the, the pets. Mm-hmm. And so the guy calls in from the road and he says, hey, what's going on at home? And he goes, oh, the cat died. It's like, hey, you don't just do that. You don't just tell me my cat died. You have to, you know, warm me up. Say, well, the cat got on the roof and then he slipped and he fell and he hit pretty hard. But we got him to the pet hospital and sadly, you know, he was gone. You got to ease me into it. And the guy's like, oh, all right, never mind. So the next day, the guy calls back and says, hey, what's going on at home? And he goes, well, mom got up on the roof. <laughs> so people were upset that I didn't sort of ease them into the bad news but uh i'm a rip the band-aid off kind of guy yeah um your experience of it though was that was it hard i mean you've been doing this for so long was it hard to talk to to them yeah no no not at all i i was it was a relief because i knew it was happening and i felt almost guilty keeping it from them Mm -hmm. you know Uh, that's the only real currency I have as a broadcaster I've found, you know, because I never meant to get into this. This mm-hmm. was not my goal. This was not my thing. I was an actor for years. And, you know, my whole plan was to pretend to be other people. I was never right. banking on exposing my personal true self to anybody. That just wasn't in the game plan, really. So mm-hmm. when it when the radio thing happened early on, I recognized that. The only thing I really have of value is to be myself as much as I can because that's the only way I know how to do it. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what people have responded to a lot with, with me over my career is the fact that I'm, I'm pretty open about almost everything in my life. And I use it, not use it, that sounds callous, but I include it as content with the other stuff that I do because I think it's part of the big picture for me. So not telling them when it was happening was like, oh, I feel so bad. I feel like I'm betraying them because I'm not being honest with them about mm-hmm. what's going on with this relationship and with the family unit and what's happening. So I wanted to get that out as soon as possible. And and we did. And and they were grateful to know it and they've handled it well. And, you know, Carrie, my ex and I have dangled the idea of doing sort of a how to get divorced podcast oh, that's you know, a good as, idea. as a, as another show for, uh, for the audience, because people have commented like, wow, you guys are really doing this right so far. And, um, so maybe, maybe next year. That's a really good idea. When, during the time that you felt like you were hiding it, what was, what was going on that made it so you felt like you, it wasn't time yet to mention it? Um, I guess cowardice. You know, I knew they were going to be bummed out and I knew a lot of people were going to have a lot of questions and they were going to be um, upset by the news. So I guess I was sort of putting it off for personal reasons rather than having to deal with it until it got just overwhelming. And I said, this is ridiculous. And plus, we were still feeling it out. You know, we were like, okay, when... When are we making the move and when are we truly separating and we got to buy a house for me and a house for her before we can have separate households. So there were logistical details and things to work out to make sure it was really happening and really going to be in motion before we broach the subject. So mm-hmm. I think I think it was a combination of those things. Who got the fish? I got the fish. Okay, good. Yes. Um, you said that you uh, early on realized that your real currency as a broadcaster was being open and, and um, you know, sharing that stuff with the audience. Yeah. Can you talk more about that realization given that at the beginning you thought you were just going to play other people? 
um, career-wise, I thought I was going to play other people. Right. Once I got on the radio, um, I realized I had not prepared for a life in radio. I didn't know how radio broadcasters or personalities did their job. I was thrown into a gig on one of the biggest radio stations, one of the biggest radio markets in America, and I was woefully unprepared for that, you know. And initially, I started by doing silly voices and character right. voices and everything, which is like acting yeah. on the radio. So, so that was fine. But right, once so I started, not being yourself, not being right, the yeah. true self at the beginning. Right. They were using me for bits and for mm -hmm. impress, celebrity impressions and things like that, which I was completely comfortable with because that's what I had been doing for years. Um, but once I started showing up on the show as myself, there was a reaction to what I was saying and what I was doing. And I recognized early on, oh, they're just reacting to me being honest mm -hmm. and saying what's on my mind. And whether that's good, bad or indifferent. Um, and I would have to sometimes take my lumps for saying stuff that wasn't popular yeah. or people didn't like my attitude. And some people did. And, you know, no one's going to like you 100 percent of the time. But I realized whatever that reaction was, it was coming in those moments where I would be my open and be my truest self. And so I said, okay, well then that's the, that's the key for me. Then I just mm. got to keep doing that. Yeah. Um, good. I have some questions that people sent. I'm on Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And uh, I have some are. questions that came in over there and let me play our questions song. When we ask, we send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. All right. Angela Love D. It. Thank you. Well, I should say Trap Dog does the music. The thank you goes to him. Angela D. Uh, says, why does he think his virtual cocktail parties are so popular with the Garmy? What's the record <laughs> for attendance? Uh, yeah, virtual cocktail parties are a thing we started doing about midway through the pandemic. It used to be a bonus um, for the upper echelon subscribers of the Ralph Report. It was something I, I reserved for the folks who were coughing up a couple extra dollars every mm -hmm. month as sort of a, as a thank you. And about midway through, I looked around and I said, we all need each other now more than ever. So I'm going to suspend that and i'm going to throw it open to every subscriber any anyone who is a patron on any level can attend and and instead of doing it monthly which was the original uh schedule mm -hmm. i started doing it almost weekly oh wow. i'm missing one here and there but almost every weekend we would do a virtual happy hour cocktail party and it was enormous it blew up and i think because this is the other half of the equation for me in terms of any success I've had in, uh, in broadcasting. I've always tried to foster the audience into being sort of a community mm -hmm. amongst themselves. And I, I use an enormous amount of content that gets sent in from the listeners on the show. And I, I learned that separately when I was doing Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith, where we would use content from the listeners on a weekly basis and people really started to feel invested mm -hmm. in the show. They're, they're part of it. And that carried over into the Ralph report. And I said, well, well we got to get the gang together. So it's an, it's an opportunity for people to have a social interaction without putting themselves at risk physically. And people just went crazy for it. And it's, it's nuts that we get, you know, and it's great because we do it on crowdcast, which is a zoom okay. type uh, 
deal. And, you know, we can pull people up in the audience who've got their cams on and we can talk to people in Australia and how's the, you know, how's the lockdown treating you there? And we have people from the UK and we've got people all around the world. And it's just this chance once a week for everyone to come together and touch base and a reminder that we're all connected and you're not alone. And, you know, the, the Garmy started as a joke as the, as the name for my fan base, but they really have become <laughs> like this Garmy of, of people who are so dedicated to each other and so supportive. And I had, I had a, one of the listeners uh, was getting out of a bad relationship and she had to move out of her apartment and she was a little intimidated by her uh, boyfriend and members from the show who she had never met before heard about her plight and connected up with her in her town and helped be with her and move her furniture to her new place. I love that. That's amazing. Through That's just great. the connection of having listened to the same podcast and yeah. there's stories like that that happen over and over and over again. So I think that's the reason people show up in such mm-hmm. droves for the cocktail party virtually. It's it's not necessarily even because of me. It's because they get to hang out with each other. You know, it's funny. I was thinking just spe- regarding the community. And I'm I'm fortunate that there's um, a wonderful community of fans around Alison Rosen's new best friend, too. Um, but I was thinking last night, back in my days of going to live music shows, I was thinking, how many of those shows did I go to because I was dying to see the band versus because my friends were going or there was a guy who was going to go that I had a crush on? Or I mean, I was just mm-hmm. thinking like, and the, you know, the band probably looked at the number of people who showed up as a sign of them. But it's like so many times it really did not have to do with the band. And right. that as a performer, like so often that's what's going on. So you want to, you know, you got to be the yeah, and fostering community does help bring the numbers. Not that that's why you're doing it, but... Um, or the, when you went to those concerts, how much of it was just wanting to hang out with people who liked the same music that yes, you like? You that know, as well. You know, I, I can hang out with other fans of, you know, Striper right. or whoever you went to go see. <laughs> yeah. um, I went to every Striper show. <laughs> but Comic-Cons are that too, right? It's yeah. It's getting... You get out of the basement and you get to hang out with other nerds and other geeks and you get to do it in, in yeah. the hundreds of thousands instead of one or two. And that sense of community is so powerful. So um, I'm curious about, and this is more of an offline question, but I'm going to ask it online anyway, Crowdcast versus like Zoom or something, because I do Zoom parties, but great. But what's the difference with Crowdcast? I don't know. I don't necessarily know that there is. I just know Patreon is in in partnership with Crowdcast. So when I initially decided to start doing it, it was just the easiest way for me to hmm. set it up because it was it was one click on right. my pa- on my Patreon site. They, they they've got a partnership, so yeah. it was just hmm. it was it was readily available to me. I'm going to check that out. Angela you D should. says, "Thank you." Does he think his personality on the Ralph Report is more genuinely him as compared to his personal persona on K Rock? Much more so, yeah. And and sometimes to uh, to the detriment of some of my K Rock fans because they expect me to be um, uh, crankier or mm. more angry or more snarky or more sarcastic and I'm all of those things. But on the Ralph Report, I've I have the opportunity to present a more rounded picture of myself. I think I get to to be more considerate and more caring and more sensitive and stuff because 
it's a different show and mm-hmm. it's a different format and it's mine. And when I was on K-Rock, I sort of had a role to play, which I always say was Kevin and Bean were mommy and daddy. And I was the petulant teenager. You know? and, <laughs> and, and people liked it when I would lash out at them and bust their balls and, you know, and, and show up and make a lot of noise. And that was sort of my role. You know, if I came in being a thoughtful, softer person, you're on a morning, crazy morning show with a lot of energy. And, you know, where does that fit into that? Where does that become useful? It didn't really. So and people would say sometimes I was too sarcastic or too Mm -hmm. grumpy or, you know, you're never going to make everybody happy. But I know a lot of people early on, especially with the Ralph report, were like, wow, you seem so much calmer and so much nicer and so much more (laughs) open to things and I was like well it's just this is a different animal and this is more more of all of me versus having to pick and choose which parts of myself Mm -hmm. to use yeah no I relate to that intensely I mean I think when it's your excuse me your own show and your own name is on it you can more be your more more fully like integrated whole self versus when you are appearing on someone else's show it's usually like more of a piece of the pie of who you are right and also early on in my career i was like how can i stand out how can i be different than everybody else how do i carve my own niche into this world and and you know stand out and that was the direction i took right um with the ralph report i don't have to stand out it's my damn show and i get to talk (laughs) about anything i want and so Uh, easy jonathan feldman wants to know what is his favorite candy uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. Mm, now, follow up question, yeah. not from Jonathan, but from me. There's, I feel like there's these offshoots of Reese's peanut butter cups. There's the pumpkins around Halloween. There's white chocolate pumpkins or white chocolate. How, how do you feel about like the the uh, the alternates? The novelty peanut yes. butter cups. Um, as long as Reese's is making them. I'm on board. Like they make a Christmas tree every year, mm. a, a peanut butter and chocolate Christmas tree. And it's just that sh- the shape has changed, but the, uh, the delicious flavor remains the same. So uh, I'm on board. Now, same with what? Are you okay with the white chocolate peanut butter cups? Because I'm a white no, chocolate. No. Yeah, right. No. I'm a white, white chocolate. chocolate. I'm a white chocolate. Look, I know this is going to uh, set your teeth on edge. I'm a white chocolate fan, but I don't like the white chocolate peanut butter, butter cups. They're gross. Well, but why white chocolate? Why, what do you like about white chocolate? Well, the taste. I mean, it's fine, but it's all mo- things being equal, you're not going to choose white chocolate over milk or dark chocolate, right? Oh, my God. I would choose it over dark chocolate in a heartbeat. I do not Ugh. like. Well, Are we go. getting divorced this as well? Over. This is over. <laughs> this relationship is not working out either. <laughs> I don't like white dark chocolate very much. Ugh. I don't. I just, I don't, maybe I, maybe it's not sweet enough for me. I, it's got like a bitterness and. Sounds racist to me. <sighs> I don't. Got to be white. Chocolate's got to be white. I see how you roll. I get it. Just because I have pride in white chocolate <laughs> doesn't mean that I'm racist. Our chocolate will not replace us. <laughs> 
Uh, okay. Oh, and then Jonathan Feldman also says, and not a question, but a request that you would invite him onto a Thursday episode. Ralph and John Henson would be great together. I would love to have you. So Thursday is, I do Monday and Thursday. Monday is the one-on-one where I just am a weird lady who asks nosy questions. And then Thursday is like a roundtable panel and it's lighter. And I would love to have you on that show if you would be available. Absolutely. Excellent. Especially with Henson. Henson and I have a long history because people have mistaken us for each other for the entirety of uh, our careers. So that's, it's kind of a running joke between the two of us that we have to find a project where we can play brothers or something. That's because, hilarious. You know, yeah. I wouldn't, I, I never put that together, but I can kind of see that now. Yeah, it's less so now, but right. when I was doing Joe Schmo uh, hosting the that. Smarmy host. My the smarmy host, uh, he would constantly complain to me. People would come up to him and say, oh, I love the Joe Schmo show. <laughs> and then I got the same thing with Wipeout back in the day right. so, or, or the soup. So yeah. I used to say, no, no skunk spot, different guy. <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, Krista Lorenz says, who is his favorite character from the old radio show he used to do? Mine is Bat Boy. I sing the song in my head every day. He's a bat. He's a boy. Bat Boy was an actual part of something called the Weekly World News back in the day, which doesn't even exist now, I don't think, anymore, because we're living out all the weirdness mm-hmm. in real life. We don't need that anymore. But yeah, that was an early, early character I did because um, I just thought it was so ridiculous. And I just loved the the doctored images they would use of Bat Boy. And there was always a story about him helping the Air Force, you know, track UFOs or something. So we would often go and talk to Bat Boy, and uh, that was that was a fun segment. I mean, I had 18 years' worth of different characters and impressions and things. To try to pick one would be so hard. However, one of them has followed me to the Ralph Report. My, my, uh, my friend Roland, who is sort of a science fiction comic book nerd geek guy, <laughs> he does stop by the Ralph Report from time to time, whether we want him to or not. And what does he sound like? Roland is a very is very intelligent, but he is filled with attitude. He is always seeming to be really upset with somebody, especially when they're not aware of Jean-Luc Picard was, in fact, full Borg, even though he was able to separate himself from the collective. So he'll he'll often straighten us out when it comes to science fiction uh, huh. or comic book knowledge that we we go south on um and this he's a bat he's a boy song do you remember how it goes yes because i used to write and perform a lot of the jingles on the show as well and they were in usually quickies and stupid and insipid and uh that jingle went he's a bat bat he's a boy boy it's that that bat boy (laughs) and so it was like a Bad 60s sitcom. I love it. Yeah. Do you? And I'm not going to force you to do them. But do I've always wondered because I, I do not do impressions and I've always um, been fascinated by people who are able to do them. Do you still develop new ones all the time? Um, not as much as I used to. Obviously, uh, when I was doing the radio show, uh, newsmakers would pop up all the time and because that was a big part of my role i would have to try to develop something pretty quickly but Mm -hmm. um no for the most part i just kind of fall back on the tried and trues the ones that i've been doing with babylon for years and the ones that people seem to ask for from time to time what was the first one i imagine when you were a kid that you ever did yeah the, the impression thing and i i try not to 
dwell on it too much because the truth is there are guys out there who are fucking brilliant at impressions and I'm I'm not in that league. You know, I was able to use Good. it as nah, I was able to use it as a tool, as a means to an end. And I'm able to sometimes inject funny content into the voice, which people will forgive uh, you not being spot on if you can make them laugh with right. it. But um, I'm not as good as a, as a ton of guys out there. But whatever I can do, I almost feel guilty taking credit for it because it's almost like a party trick. It's being able, you know, I got a friend of mine who can touch his tongue to his nose. I mean, he didn't earn that. That's just some freak thing that he can do mm-hmm. at parties. And that for me was impressions because you're right. I was doing them as a kid in elementary school at the lunch table to make milk come out of my friend's noses. <laughs> and so it was probably my first impression was probably Shaggy and Scooby-Doo. Oh, was yeah. Probably the first thing. Like Zoing Scoob, we're really in trouble. I know, <laughs> So that was probably it. Did your parents love it? They were a great audience. They really were. Uh, they indulged me probably too much, but um, yeah, they they loved it. They were they were an easy laugh. Hmm. Uh, and then the last one, Whitney C says, "To what degree is he a sentimental person? Does he hang on to old papers and trinkets?" <sighs> Look at my look at my room here. <laughs> my my entire yes. life is filled with toys from my childhood. YouTube.com slash Allison Rosen to see the level of sentiment surrounding him. Yeah, I mean this entire office is filled with Batman toys. A great many of them were things I actually played with as a kid. So I held on to all of that stuff and I still have my comic books and I've got journals and papers and photos and yeah, I I'm my ex called me a hoarder. I don't think I'm that bad because <laughs> I can looks still organized, move around. Yeah. It is. It, I try to, you know, avoid bringing attention to myself by keeping it organized. To, so fooling people into it's a, a collection rather than a, <laughs> a, a problem. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big nostalgia guy in general, both in pop culture and in my own life. So um, that's the bitch about getting old is because uh, the older you get, the more you long for those good old days, you know, but uh, they're gone. They're behind, you know, I I was gonna say they're behind us. I find the older I get, the more I feel sentimental or nostalgic about times of my life that like at the time I, they weren't the best times. Like Mm. I can feel sentiment about anything just because of the passage of time. It's weird. I I think that perspective is ongoing. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like what I talked about when I got fired, how that was the worst day of my life. And then two years later, I was thankful for the fact that you know, I, they let me go at the time that they did or else right. I would have been fired during a pandemic, you know. Um, sometimes you're not aware. You know, it's like that old Carly Simon song. These are the good old days, right? Mm-hmm. You're not you, When you're in the midst of it, you don't even recognize their value sometimes. And a little distance at a little time can give you some perspective. Right. Um, do you happen to have a just me or everyone? I thought you were going to ask me that. Oh, I, I thought that was what came in from the audience. I oh, feel bad. I do, oh no, it's okay. I do. Ha- you know, I do have some from the audience, so we can do that. That's what we did last time. I've been asking my guests to come with one of their own, um, but totally okay because okay. I have some from them. Let me play the song. Sometimes I ponder on something. Just me or everyone 
All right. We have some Just Me or Everyone sent in by the audience. If you would like to submit a Just Me or Everyone, uh, tweet it to at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Okay. Um, Demian Cordova says, I have many songs in my favorites playlist that I like where I don't know what the song is about. Just Me or Everyone. That's... I... Mm. I don't have a favorites playlist. I'm not a big playlisty person. However, I definitely will like a song and kind of have no idea what it's about, and then really? I'll, I'll hunker down and I'll, and then I'll go like explore the lyrics. It's like a two step thing for me. I'm a big lyrics guy, so it's always almost lyrics first for me. For oh, songs. really? Yeah. If I hear something and I like it, I'm already locked into what they're saying. Mm. So uh, no, I I almost approach some most of my favorite songs. I've approached lyrics first like i really like what they're saying almost above and uh, okay. the, the words are louder than the, the music sometimes Th- that feels more that feels right to me as someone who is a word person it's just that it's always like the tu- the sound and the tune of the song that, that hooks me first and then i have to go look look up like i'll google the lyrics which I love doing to find out, like, what is this about, really? You know, in the olden times, kids, that wasn't an option. Either you no. had to, if you're lucky, maybe you had the lyrics printed on the insert to the album. But other than that, you were just flying blind. You were hoping your friends could hear what they were saying. Yeah, and then you're hoping that it's not a song about, like, the, the um, <laughs> excellence of white chocolate. You know, exactly. Yes. <laughs> you got then you got to take it and return it to the music store. Um, Nights in white chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jen T says I usually stream my TV shows through my phone, but sometimes I try to trick my weekly screen time report by watching my shows on my Fire tablet. Do you know what she's talking about? Do you get that I screen do. time? Yes. Yeah. Oh, geez, all right. Easy. I'm not that old. <laughs> For Christ's sake. Can you hear me? Do you understand about the computers, Grandpa? Sometimes you can watch television on your phone. That's not what I mean. I mean the weekly screen time report. Yes, I am aware. Okay. Yes, having a ten-year-old okay. that that plays a, a large <laughs> role in my in my parenting. I bet. Yes, uh, I don't do that at the beginning of quarantine. I was looking at my screen time report a lot, and now I just don't even look at it anymore. No, that's. Uh, that's a concern for another time. That's all we have right <laughs> now right. is our phones and our screens, and that's what keeps us sane. So, no, yeah. don't be so hard on yourself. Live yeah. your life. Although I find it hard to watch content on a phone or even a laptop, quite frankly. I love a bigger screen. Yes, I do too. Now, I'm lucky. Not everyone can have a, you know, a, a smart TV or plug in their, their Apple TV or whatever to their, to their screen, but... If if at all possible, I'd like to watch it on my couch, on my screen, rather than on my phone or on a mm-hmm. laptop. Some people, I feel like, only watch on their laptop. I know. Some people prefer it. It's crazy. Yeah. But again, as we've established, I'm old, so I like the big screen experience. And We used to have to watch movies in a room full of other people. <laughs> it would come over your head. There was a big light that would show it up on the screen. You could have popcorn. Because I'm old, I now, it, to really see my phone well, especially to see emojis, I really need to be have my, to have my glasses on, but I'm mm-hmm. like too lazy to go get them from another room. So the idea of watching something on my phone, it would, be, it would all be fuzzy. I hear you, sister. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. 
Lucas Passmore says, just me or everyone. Hate when in public strangers go out of their way to correct me on gender of their dog. Oh my God, what a cute dog. How old is he? Actually, it's a she. Fuck you. I'm walking away in 10 (laughs) seconds and we'll never see you again. No one cares. Just me or everyone. <laughs> that's valid. That's that's a just me. I think. Yeah. yeah I feel this. I, I mean, I'm, I think mean, everyone. I feel the same way. I think that's ridiculous. I. Yeah, I agree with that. Although I, so people would often think Elliot was if if I didn't have him. No, even if I had him, he just had very long eyelashes, and so they would always think Elliot was a girl. Mm-hmm. And then I would want to correct them, but then I felt weird about correcting them so i would just let it go i never really knew when he was a baby i never quite knew how to handle that because that's a similar like who cares yeah but i think it's a little different when it's your kid versus your dog yeah because really the difference in a male dog and a female dog is just this much lipstick really at the end of the day i mean (laughs) they're they're basically they behave like the same animals it's just it's not really a big deal but i think when it comes to your kids it's legit to be able to say no i'm sorry it's it's a her or him there was a quincy in a music class that i took elliot to and i remember being like what is quincy Mm. i mean i know it's typically a masculine name but this there was some but this baby was sort of wearing girl clothes yeah no it's anything goes now you can't just tell by names anymore but i felt i didn't feel like it would be okay for me to say is quincy a boy or girl even though it probably would have been totally fine for me to say that so i just i just never asked i I think it's smarter i i don't know maybe this is a you and me thing but i err on the side of not um making people feel (laughs) awkward so i probably would not have asked either that's exactly why that is thank you for for thank you for holding up this flattering mirror to me that's exactly why i didn't want to ask i didn't want to make quincy's mom feel weird right run the risk of making her feel weird or me just living with the mystery i'll live with the mystery and i've never forgotten it not even for a second quincy what are you (laughs) um okay Eric says, since morbid just mere everyone's are all the rage, I have one. Sometimes when I have a close call driving, I have an intrusive thought that maybe I did get into an accident and this reality of me continuing to drive is just a scenario my mind is creating while I'm dying in my car. All right, calm down. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you got too much free time on your hands. First uh, of all, drive, drive better. And secondly, just move forward with your life. I have never had that intrusive thought, but I have all sorts of other intrusive thoughts. So I love that you shared that. Um, And I'm sure that there are other people who have had that. But no, I've never really had that. No, I've never had that either. Yeah. Um, Let's see. A Kimmy... Okay. So sometimes people will hashtag things to point them out to be like this is a just me or everyone so ben acker said shut your cake hole or shut your pie hole and then a kimmy thing tweeted that to me and said hashtag just me or everyone the hashtag being i guess wondering about it but i'm just Mm. gonna i'm just gonna come out and say i'm gonna put all this questioning to bed it's shut your pie hole right i've never heard shut your cake hole i've always been pie hole myself yes is it an age thing (laughs) Maybe. In my day, we, we didn't said- make cakes back then. We only had pies. 
Um, Ralph Garman, it was so... This hour just flew by. Is it me? It flew by for me. Maybe it didn't fly by for you because I was poking and prodding like a weird lady on the internet. It's over already? So now, I mean, wow. I could always go more, but yeah, we've drawn You're gonna to a You're going to have to invite me back now. Now you have no choice. I have no choice. You just scratched the surface. I'm a very complicated, I interesting know. man. I mean, you're just, you're just barely getting to the good stuff. I so. would have liked to see more evidence of that in this hour, but I'll take your word for it. Well, I was going to Jeffrey Tubin you, but I don't know <laughs> if that's what you're talking about or not. Perhaps. Isn't it funny that uh, I feel like there was so much Tubin talk, and now I haven't heard any. This is the first reference I've heard in a while. Yeah, I'm keeping it alive. I'm the one man uh, who's trying to keep tubing alive. It's because Thank we you. can't keep up because it's all insanity jam-packed 24 hours a day in every news cycle. Right. So some of the good stuff goes by the wayside. But I I'm know. Tubin Don't... die. Tubin. Thank tubin you. Stand. Thank yeah. you. You're like You're the tub shroom. Do you know what that is? For tubing. Yeah. A tub shroom, and I don't even have one, um, but I've been told I should get one. It's like this device that you put in your shower drain, and it collects the long hairs, and then you uh, pull it out, so it doesn't, so it doesn't, you know, clog. But you're like the the goalie for tubing. Got you. Yes, catching uh, it. That's I'm right. not letting that get past no. me. You're absolutely right, Ralph Garman. Please tell everyone where they can find you, how to sign up for your Patreon, etc. It's pretty simple. You go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash The Ralph Report. And there you can uh, enjoy me Monday through Friday for as little as 15 cents a day. And I, I certainly make it at least worth that, if not much more. You have a level that's 15, oh, 15 cents a day. Okay. Yes, per day. If you break it down on a daily investment, it makes it seem almost insane not to sign up. Oh That's what God. I found. You're losing money practically if you don't sign up. You're just going to have to sit there while I figure out what my daily rate would be. I mean, <laughs> for me, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen, you can sign up at like the one or the $2 level. I feel like the right. magic really starts at $5. Mm-hmm. And that's as, oh my God. For me, it's as little as 16 cents a day, which wow. is 15 cents a day, basically. Yes. Again, it's, it's, it's what a deal. Why have I not been breaking it down that way in the past? That's <sighs> insane. You, you can't afford not to subscribe to both of us. But Ralph, if they want to follow you on Twitter, I don't know if you're on Instagram, etc. I am. Simple, easy. At Ralph Garman. And that's G-A-R-M-A-N. Ralph Garman on, uh, on all my socials. Because sometimes people spell it like the nav system, mm. and uh, it's that's not me. That's not that's not Sadly. you at all. Yeah. No. Uh, listen, for as little as basically fifteen cents a day, you can get access to my Patreon, weekly bonus episodes, Zoom parties, behind wow. the scenes content, all sorts of fun stuff. I mean, mm. ask Allison anything's or ah uh, ah uh, ah, uh, where I answer your all your probing questions and i dish dirt patreon.com slash allison rosen if you like what you're hearing please make sure you're subscribed i'm beg i i've now decided that i'm not just gonna say please i'm gonna say i'm begging you rate review subscribe tell your friends listen to my podcast with greg fitzsimmons my other one uh called childish it's our parenting podcast where you don't need to have kids to enjoy it um and also i'm on cameo and follow me on twitter and instagram at allison rosen Thank you. Thank you, Ralph, so much. This was so nice to catch up with you. I'm definitely going to be um, beating down your door to make you come back. 
I absolutely will. And uh, give Greg my best, will you? I will. I will. And also, I'm just going to give another mention for this, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen, where you can see this full video and you can see, you can judge for yourself whether Ralph is a hoarder or just a very (laughs) well-organized hoarder. I'm Um, a collector, damn it. (laughs) I want to hear that in, um, what's his name? Leroy? Not Leroy. Roland? Not the same name at all. But yeah, I feel like Roland would say I'm a collector, damn it. First of all, the, the level of expense and expertise that has gone to this collection makes you practically unworthy to even look at it. So I won't have you casting aspersions on this amazing Batman collection. It's totally vintage and totally awesome. Good day, madam. <laughs> Thank you, Roland. Uh, And thank you, Ralph. And listeners, thank you so much for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we gotta go. Yeah, Allison Rosen.